You can turn the lights on. That's fine. Thank you, Layla. Uh, Jeremiah sends his love. He's ministering in Houston. Is that right? So I hope he has a little warm weather while he's there. 80 degrees. Oh, my goodness. Did he have his shorts on? Yeah. He thinks he's in Kentucky, right? <laughs> uh, uh, first, I want to say, who's still enjoying hot chocolate? Is it gone? No. Do we need it? Kids, do we need to take some upstairs today? <laughs> Get everybody good and sugared up before it's time to go home. <laughs> Just pray for me if I'm upstairs and they're bouncing off the walls. <laughs> That's okay. Let's, I'll sugar them up some more. I've got some muffins for them. <laughs> uh, just a few announcements. Um, you know, some of you may have been here last week when we were discussing that the plans that we are hoping that you will help us pray about with experience. Uh, we don't know what it's going to be. Is it going to be? Amen. Uh, last week when Jeremiah shared, we left and Keisha said, Jeremiah really talked you up. And I said, yeah, I'm really excited to hear me after all that. It's like, man. Um, Jeremiah's asked me to minister this morning on uh, being baptized with the Holy Spirit. And really excited to talk about this this morning. We're going to go to John chapter 1 and verse 29. John chapter 1 and verse 29. And uh, no, what's funny is I told someone this week, I said, I don't know if he asked me to teach this because he actually thinks I can teach it better or if he knows I'm the one who will get all the criticism. You know, you know, because you start you start talking about tongues, people get mad. So uh, um, I'm I'm off Facebook right now, so people complain online. Go ahead, I'll never see it, so I don't care. Um, and if you message me, I'll just ignore it. Um, John chapter one verse twenty nine. I I want to look at something here. John chapter one verse twenty nine. But let me say that, I, I, I joke about, about being criticized and things, but, you know, this is a subject when we talk about being baptized with the Holy Spirit. I want to say this from the get-go so it's clear what I'm saying. I'm not talking about, because what we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about a separate experience from salvation that the Bible calls the baptism with the Holy Spirit. It's separate from salvation. So you do not have to be baptized with the Holy Spirit to be saved. Right? I, I do want to get that across. But what we've done is we've took that truth and said, well, since that's the case, we can be passive about it. The early church, and we're going to learn today, they were not passive about this issue. They did not, they did not have it, even though we can sit there and, and divide it and say, well, it's optional for salvation. The early church still didn't have this position of this experience is optional for the believer. They seen it as something that was absolutely foundational and important for every believer. You know, um, and what we're about to learn is the early church, the way they handled it. Today, someone gets saved, and what we tend to do is 
We're like, all right, you're saved. Now you need to be baptized. Now you need to join a church. You need a Bible reading plan. And what the early church did was they did two things. They said, we're going to baptize you in water, and then we're going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Right? Um, so I, I, we're going to take a look at that this morning. But what I was about to say is we've become passive about it, those who believe in it. And, and what's a shame is those who are against this are more passionate about it than those of us who are for it and those who have experienced it and believe in it because we're afraid of the criticism. We're afraid of the people thinking we're weirdos. And, and just so if there's anyone here visiting, listen, we're not going to be running around screaming, shouting, flipping chairs over, talking in tongues, right? I'm talking about something in your private time with God that will make your fellowship so much sweeter. It'll take your relationship with Him to a whole nother level, and you'll experience power upon your life like you've always wanted, right? Uh, so let's look at John chapter 1 and verse 29. Um, so there, there, there's something that John says here, John the Baptist. He's very famous for saying this, right? This might be his most famous quote. He says, The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Right, so, so we've got that. He is, the one, he is the one who will forgive you of all of your sins. He is the sin sacrifice sent to deal with your sin. Right? We've got that. But John said something else here in the same breath. Right? Because I see that verse quoted a lot. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, and He is. But John didn't stop there. Okay? Verse 30, this is he of whom I said, after me comes a man who is, who is preferred before me, for he was before me. I did not know him, but that he should be revealed to Israel. Therefore, I came baptizing with water. I love this. John sees his one purpose was to reveal Jesus. It's the same purpose for us. And John bore witness, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and He remained upon Him. He remained upon Him. He remained upon Him. Now, did Jesus already have the Spirit of God on the inside of Him? Right? He, he was one with the Spirit. He was the Father. He is the Son. Right? So, so we know um, Jesus didn't need to be saved, but... He, he already had the Spirit on the inside of him, but here the Spirit comes and remains upon him. Verse 33, I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, Upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. So, so John had a twofold revelation of Jesus. Before he ever preached, before Jesus ever preached one sermon, before he ever did one miracle, before he ever did anything of note, John had this twofold revelation of Jesus. He's the forgiver of all of our sins, and he's the one who baptizes us with the Holy Spirit. All right? So if we're going to focus on the forgiveness, and we should, that's important. You have no, it is not your lot to live in. Uh, condemnation and shame and guilt. And all those things are washed away when you realize your sins have been washed away, right? 
But in the same breath, we must understand that he is the one who is sent to baptize us with the Holy Spirit. All right, let's go to Acts chapter 1, because everything we really need to know uh, about this experience is really in the book of Acts. But Acts chapter 1, and we're going we're to begin with verse 1. It says, the former account, this is, this is Luke, the author of the book speaking, the former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach. Did you notice, though, that's something interesting? It says is that Jesus began to do these things. Um, something I found interesting yesterday, this is free, this has nothing to do with the teaching, but uh, do you know what, when Moses and Elijah appeared and talked with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration, do you know what they talked to him about? Because I used to wonder, I wonder what Moses and Elijah and Jesus talked about. Do you know it actually tells us what they talked about? It says, it says they spoke with him about his decease that he would accomplish in Jerusalem. They showed up and they spoke to Jesus about the cross. All right? And something I found really interesting was they spoke to him about his death which he should accomplish in Jerusalem. His death was seen as an accomplishment. Man, that's so good. Death, his death was an accomplishment. We don't look at death. What, what do we call death? My loss, right? No, his death was an accomplishment, right? That's freebie. You're welcome. Um, thank you, thank you. Until that day in which he was taken up after he through the Holy Spirit had given commandment to the apostles whom he had chosen to whom, whom he also presented himself alive after his, his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Verse 4. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them. Look here. He commanded them. He didn't give them advice. He didn't make it optional. He didn't say, here's a good idea. Here's a good plan. He commanded them. All right? Not to depart from Jerusalem but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. What was the promise of the Father? For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Notice first off something I want to point out is it's called a promise. All the promises of God are in him, in Christ. Yes and amen. You do not have to qualify yourself to receive any promise from God. You just have to receive it by faith. You don't have to work your way to it. You don't have to be sanctified enough to, to reach it. You don't have to fast, pray enough to get it. That's not the way the promises of God work, right? Not under this dispensation. Jesus has already qualified you. It's a promise, right? And all you have to do is receive. And on top of that, I want to point out that he says, wait for it. Waiting is different than sit around and do nothing, right? Uh, my understanding, I, I was so blessed. I grew up in churches where, like, the Holy Ghost was just so normal to me. Um, I, I was thinking about when Jeremiah was sharing last week how he spends a lot of time praying in the Spirit. I do the same thing. My kids... If they heard you speaking in tongues, they would not think twice about it. They hear it so much from me in our, in our house. Like my kid, they don't turn their head. They don't ask me what I'm doing. They just know. 
Like they just know what it is. And that's the way it was for me growing up with, with I grew up, you will never convince me that God doesn't heal. I've seen healing in my own personal life, but as a kid, I seen it all the time in church. I mean physical, tangible, you can't deny it healing. Things disappear, things reappear, uh, people get up. I mean, I've seen it. As a child, I've seen it, right? But with the baptism with the Holy Spirit, what I grew up believing and what was presented to me was you have to really get to this place in your life where you're good enough for it, right? You, you have to be... I, one time it was told me, well, we believe you get saved, but then you got to get sanctified to get the Holy Ghost, right? And, and, and that's not the case. He sanctified you, Hebrews says, once and for all. The moment you got saved, sanctification's taken care of, right? You are sanctified. If sanctification is a requirement for you to receive the Holy Spirit, good news. Have you believed in Jesus? You're sanctified. Receive the Holy Ghost, right? So, so but waiting here, we're, we're, we're going to see, but then I was also taught that, that we had to tarry, that you had to wait, that you had to pray, that you had to beg God. The only time that anyone had to tarry or pray or wait for the Holy Spirit was the first time he was sent. Right? Because they were still waiting for Jesus to send the Holy Spirit. But once he came, he stayed. He never went back. You're not, you're not, waiting, you're not waiting on him. Really, all that's happening is he's waiting on you. All right? And we're going to talk here in a few minutes about what exactly it is because there is a way, I think, that we look at it that's wrong. But let's, let's read on here. Verse 6. Um, Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. I love this because the church is the same way today. We want to talk about when we want to talk about the end times, we want to talk about the Antichrist, we want to talk about the tribulation, we want to talk about the rapture. And here they go that direction. Jesus says, You just be baptized with the Holy Ghost. That's not for you to know. You be baptized with the Holy Ghost. Yeah, I'm coming back. Yeah, I'm going to come back the same. But right now, you be baptized with the Holy Ghost. All right? Uh, verse 8. But you shall receive power. Now, the power that we're talking about is not just laying hands on the sick. It's not just prophesying. It's not just this, this heavy-duty signs and wonders that we think of. Think about this. I had this revelation this morning. In the Gospels, when the Spirit came upon and remained upon Jesus, it then says the Spirit drove him into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. So that power came upon him, and what did that power do for him? He had power to resist the devil. He had power to overcome any temptation that the devil threw his way. All right? So if we want to get down to it, listen, that power will do many things. But one of the first thing it did in the life of Jesus was it gave him power over temptation. It gave him power over hunger. It gave him power. Because here's what the devil did. The devil showed up and said, you can go the way of the cross or you can, or you can go the way of lies. He gave, he gave Adam and Eve the same choice. The tree of knowledge of good and evil or the tree of life, right? The tree of life represented the cross. The tree of knowledge and evil represented lies, right? It represented that, that you will be like God, all right? So they had the same choice. They made the wrong one. Jesus made the right one. But how did he do it? Because he had been clothed upon with power, 
All right. So there, there's so much to that power. And, and I could sit here and try to explain it, but I think in our heart of hearts, every one of us know what power looks like. We know where we're being defeated. We know where we're getting beat up. We know where there, there's, there's levels where we can come up, so to speak. We, we, we know what power looks like. Right? Um, let's read on here. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Now, this is an important distinction because we're talking about salvation and the baptism with the Holy Spirit. Uh, at salvation, the Holy Spirit comes and dwells within you. Ephesians 1.13 says, After you believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. So the Spirit comes to dwell on the inside of you the moment you believe. But He comes to rest upon you when you're baptized with the Holy Spirit. Um, and I'm debating about which way to go. The whole let's let's keep reading. Let's go let's go to Acts chapter two, and then we're gonna we're gonna go where we're gonna go. Let's go to Acts chapter two, verse one. Acts chapter two, verse one. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting, and there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one sat upon each of them. Verse 4 is why we're here. And they were all filled. Now notice Jesus said you'll be baptized, but here they're filled. All right, so the language is interchangeable. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So what happens here, now let me ask you this, were these men and women already believers? Yes. They had witnessed the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. They were already believers. But here they had this moment where they, the, bad, the Holy Spirit comes and rests upon them. And when He rests upon them, what's He do? They, he, he gives them an utterance that the Bible refers to as tongues. Okay, It's just languages that you didn't learn, languages that you don't know. There are tongues of men, and there are tongues of angels. There is also a tongue that nobody knows but you and God. Primarily, that is the tongue that you will speak with in your personal time with God. Right? Now, I've heard people say it's only tongues of men or of angels, but no. Remember in uh, 1 Corinthians 14, which we may read if we get time, Paul said, He that speaks in an unknown tongue speaks not unto men, but unto God. There's a language that only you and God understand, right? And, and you don't even understand it. We'll read here in a minute. But God knows. See, it takes faith to pray in tongues. Because when you're praying in tongues, your natural mind will say, what in the world are you doing? Right? And so it takes faith. It takes faith to speak in tongues. And now we're going to look at, what I want to look at, we're going to look through each instance in the book of Acts, and I'm just going to, what I want to look at is, one, were these people already believers, all right, when they were baptized with the Holy Spirit, and two, what evidence did they show that they were baptized with the Holy Spirit? Because now, I used to say, and I've taught it here, and I've, I've changed my view on it. I used to say that you can be baptized in the Holy Spirit and not really show any evidence, not really have Okay, well, that sounds good, but the truth is it's not really biblical. 
In the book of Acts, any time someone was baptized with the Holy Spirit, there was some sort of evidence. Okay? And we're going to learn here shortly, spoiler alert, I can't tell you that every single time someone spoke in tongues. But I can tell you and prove to you that everyone who was baptized with the Holy Spirit at some point spoke in tongues. Now, whether they did at that moment or not, I can't say, but they did have that ability, obviously, to do so. All right? Um, but anyways, I'm getting off track. I don't have any notes, so that's, that's my problem, first off. Um, but So let, let's go here. I want to jump down to Acts chapter 2. I want to jump down to verse 14. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them... So there's people, they, they came... Listen, they weren't bashful about this. What I was talking about a while ago is we've become, we've become kind of bashful about it because we don't want to be branded as that church or those kinds of believers... Um, they weren't bashful about it. They were so loud with this that people was like, what in the world is going on over there? Right? And Peter stood up, and this is what Peter, Peter's answering the criticism. He said, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words, for these are not drunk as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel, and it shall come to pass in the last days, says God. The, 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 the terminology here, the phrasing here is so important. In the Old Covenant, when Joel spoke, Joel said, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Peter does not say that. Peter adds two very important words. I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. Where is the spirit of God? The spirit of God's not just in heaven. The Spirit of God's inside the believer. All right. So to understand the baptism with the Holy Spirit, I want to say this. The moment you get saved, you receive the Spirit of God. But you have to understand your spirit, soul, and body. Your spirit is united with God, one with God. It's there in your spirit. You're holy, you're righteous, you're just. That's where you have love, peace, joy. But the problem is, have you ever noticed you don't always feel that way? Right? You don't, you don't always feel that way. Sometimes it even fluctuates. The good news is when you fluctuate and your feelings fluctuate, your salvation does not. Right? Your standing before God does not change. What is true of you in Christ never changes. Right? It's not based upon your performance. So even though that's true of your spirit, you have these other two parts, your soul and your body. All right? The baptism with the Holy Spirit, don't just think of it being right here over your head. What it means about the Spirit being upon you is if you could, if you see the Spirit, Jesus, Jesus in the King James, it says the belly. I like the New American Standard. It says your innermost being. Your Spirit is in there, and it's full of the Spirit of God. And what, what, would ha- what happens with the baptism with the Holy Spirit is someone or you learn to turn the faucet, so to speak. And what is within your spirit pours out into your soul. Your soul is your mind, it's your will, it's your emotions, it's your thought process, it's all these things. And and what happens is it flows over into your soul. And if you could imagine it flowing over, and then it rises and rises and rises and rises, and it comes out. And before you know it, it'll touch your body, it'll touch your circumstances, it's upon you. Right, so, so the baptism with the Holy Spirit is not you getting more of the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit getting more of you. You remember the flood of Noah? 
the, flood, the rain did not come down. It says that the water was inside of the earth. All right? And it says that what happened was the water of the deep was broken up. So we have this idea of just rain. But the Bible says it came up out of the earth. That's a picture of the baptism with the Holy Spirit. It's in there. And at the baptism with the Holy Spirit, it's released. All right? And so there's a difference in, or not really, but I, I like to use this terminology, of the baptism with the Holy Spirit, I also grew up with this mindset. I knew people who would say, listen, 35 years ago I was baptized with the Holy Spirit, and their life stunk, right? They had horrible fruit. They never seen victory. I mean, it's just awful, right? It's not meant to be an, it's not meant to give you a membership card. Okay, I was baptized with the Holy Spirit. I got my membership card. I'm good. It, it does not make you more of an elite Christian. It does not make you a higher class of citizen in the kingdom. It doesn't do any of that stuff. Because what happens is it's like, it's like, like Graham. Recently, my son Graham, my oldest son Graham, when he learned to open up a... I don't know what you all call it. We call it pop in the mountains. But when he learned to open up a pop, it was a game changer for me. Right? You know how many pops I had to open every day? Like, Dad, can you open this? Dad, can you open this? Guess what? One day I taught him how to open his own pop. It has saved me so much time, right? It's made life so much better for him. What happens at, at the baptism with the Holy Spirit, the reason it usually happens with the laying on of hands is it's like someone is teaching you how to release what's within you. It's not that you need someone to lay hands on you. It's just that they can help you learn to release that. Because if you've noticed anyone in here who, who prays in tongues, have you noticed when you hear someone else pray in tongues, you want to pray in tongues? That's why Paul had to come along and tell the church at Corinth, listen, you all are going nuts with the tongue talking in church. You need to calm it down. At the most, let two or three of you do it. Let someone interpret, right? Why? Because when you hear it, it just, you just want to release it. You just want to, that's why when we do this corporately, that's why it can be so powerful. So a lot of times when I pray people to receive the baptism with the Holy Spirit, I'll pray in tongues with them. I'm like, I'm not trying to make you feel awkward, but listen, it'll, it, it's in there. It'll come out. Right? So, so that's what it is. It's like, it's like someone, you're showing someone to use the faucet. Now you don't need me to get your water. Now you don't need me to lay hands on you. Right? And Jeremiah talked about some last week. One of, you know, there, there are many ways we can, be, we can be filled with the Spirit. That Every day we need to be filled with the Spirit. That can happen through song, you know, singing. That can happen through song. That can happen through so, so many ways. Acknowledging who you are in Christ. Confessing the Word. Uh, just so many ways. Just prayer, worship. I mean, you can, you can get filled in many ways, but I have found that the quickest way to get there is praying in other tongues. And that's why the gift is, is, is just so important because when you're doing these other things, your natural mind tries to stop you. But when you're praying in, in, in other tongues, like I said, you have to do it by faith. To even begin that, it's like you have to, to put yourself in the gear of faith. Right? You can try to worship knowing in the whole time you're in doubt. Well, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, what about this? What about that? What about this? What about that? But when you're in tongues, to even get there, you have, it's like you have to put, put it in, in faith real quick. Right? You have to put it in believing real quick. So... But so notice that, that, that Peter says, I'll pour out of my spirit 
on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. Now let's go to Acts chapter 8. So that, that's, the, that's the first experience that we see of someone baptized with the Holy Spirit. Uh, let's go to Acts chapter 8. And I'm going to try to move quick through this. We'll, we'll see. That's not likely. but uh, Acts chapter 8, verse 5. He says, Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. Because let me say this, guys. The reason I like going through these, I was sharing with someone yesterday. I have some of the people I look up to more than anyone would disagree with me on this subject. I have never asked anyone why they don't believe in this that has given me a biblical answer. I'm just being honest. Anyone I ask, do you believe in the baptism with the Holy Spirit, that tells me no when I ask them why. You know what I always hear? Well, I've never spoken to that person. I knew so-and-so. They never did that. That's okay, but I want to be biblical. Some of the greatest people I look up to do not pray in other tongues. That's fine. Like I said, I'm not more elite. I'm not more special. Nothing like that. But I want to be biblical, right? Um, the Bible is my model. The Bible is my standard, not the people I look up to, as thankful as I am for them, right? Uh, so Acts chapter 8, and let's go down to verse 6. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. But there was a certain man called Simon who previously practiced sorcery in the city and astonished the people of Samaria, claiming that he was someone great, to whom they all gave heed from the least of the greatest, saying, This man is the great power of God. And they heeded him because he had astonished them with his sorceries for a long time. But when they believed Philip as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God, in the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. Then Simon himself also believed, and when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and was amazing the miracles and signs which were done. So I want you to notice something. These people were baptized because they were believers. So these people were already believers. And now notice what the church did here, uh, verse 14. Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them who when they had come down, gave them a Bible reading plan. No. <laughs> who when they had come to them, told them, make sure you're part of a good local church. Right? No. They came down, and the first thing they did was they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Now that word might is important because that tells me that it was, it, it was not something that was forced upon them. It was, it was in, a, in a sense, optional to them. Do you want this? You need it. You should have it. But God's not going to force itself on you. Right? That they might receive the Holy Spirit, for as yet he had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Look here. Then they laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Now look here, I want to point something out. This is the story where it does not say they spoke with tongues when they were baptized with the Holy Spirit. But notice these next words in verse 18. This is very important. And when Simon saw, 
And when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money. Notice, when Simon saw. Simon either heard something or seen something that made him say these people were just baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, based on this, can I tell you that you absolutely have to speak in tongues to be baptized Holy Spirit? No, here's you some wiggle room. But something was seen. Something was heard. Something made Simon realize uh, something just came upon these people. Something just changed. Something just happened here. It was not a we're praying for you, now go, go be warmed and filled and tell everybody you're baptized with the Holy Spirit. Just keep confessing it, confessing it, confessing it, confessing it, and eventually it'll happen. That's not what happened. Something happened that Simon could see. All right? Uh, go to Acts chapter 9, verse 10. I'm going to try to move, move quick. Now, there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Here I am, Lord. Uh, so the Lord said to him, Arise and go to the street called Straight, and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he's praying. Now, this Saul of Tarsus is who we know as the Apostle Paul. And in a vision he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem, and here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, I love this so much. These two words are so powerful. Brother Saul. He was just scared to death that this man would kill him. when he. Sh this is the love that Brian was talking about. Brother Saul, I just love that. Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you came has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. He called him Brother Saul, so you know what that means? He was already a believer. Because that's covenant language. You know, where I'm from in Appalachia, you don't just go up in church and say, like, Stacy. You say, Sister Stacy. And, and as I got older, I was like, well, that's kind of weird. I don't like that. But, you know, as I've gotten older, I've come to appreciate that because what is that? That's covenant language. It's, and it was proper. Like, when I was in church, I didn't call my grandpa Paul like I called him at home. Or some called him Poppy, right? We didn't call him at church. He was Brother Roy in church. Why? He's my covenant brother. Earthly, he's my grandpa. Here, he's my covenant brother, right? That's another freebie. You're welcome. Um, but look here. Thank you, Tim. Uh, so, 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 but he says that you may be filled with the Holy Spirit. Look here. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once, and he arose and was baptized. Now again here, it doesn't say at this moment that he spoke with tongues, but we know in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 18, Paul speaking to the church at Corinth says, I thank my God 
that I speak with tongues more than you all. So we know Paul was a tongue talker, right? We know he spoke in tongues. So, and, and in the English, it makes it look like what he's saying is, I thank God that, you know, if you spend an hour in tongues, I spend two. That's not what he's saying. He's actually saying in the Greek, I speak with tongues more than every one of you combined. And this was a tongue-talking, hectic church, right? He, he's having to correct them. We're going to read it in a little bit. He's having to correct them for how chaotic they're, they're handling and so he's saying, listen, I speak in tongues more than you all. But now in the church, I talk, my, I talk the language the people can understand. Right? All right. Uh, Acts chapter 10, verses 34 through 38. Acts chapter 10, verse 34 through 38. So this is where Peter goes and the, the gospel is about to be received by the Gentiles. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth I perceive that God shows no partiality, that's actually wrong. I'm in Acts chapter 10, verse 44 through 48. So sorry on the screen. They probably won't have it. And while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. So notice, the Holy Spirit fell upon them. All right, And those of the circumcision believed were astonished as many as came with Peter because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. How'd they know? Verse 46 for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Four. So how'd they know? Because they heard them speak with tongues and they heard them magnifying God. And then Peter answered, Can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. So this is important because what I want you to see is there is no formula, so to speak, in the early church, it was not, all right, you have to get saved, then you have to get baptized in water, and then you can receive the Holy Spirit. There's, in Acts chapter 8, they were baptized, then received the Holy Spirit. Here, they were received the Holy Spirit, then were baptized, right? The only condition required is you already be a believer. Remember, because what I said, the baptism with the Holy Spirit is a releasing. You can't release something that's not there. All right, so now let's go to Acts chapter 19, verses 1 through 7. Acts chapter 19, verses 1 through 7. This is the last story in the book of Acts. So we already know in each of these instances so far we've seen these people were believers, and there was some evidence that they were baptized with the Holy Spirit. Uh, 19, verse 1, And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus, and finding some disciples, he said to them, I, I love this, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So Paul shows up, and he comes to these new people, and he's not like, you know, you see that UK game last night? Did you do this? Like, he doesn't shoot the breeze. He's just like, hey, you're a believer. Have you, had the, have you received the Holy Spirit? The early church did not, they were not passive about this. They were passionate about this issue because they knew... Peter went from a coward who denied Jesus three times to a man baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit, full of courage, who, who, who preached Jesus to a multitude and seen 3,000 people saved in one instance. Peter knew the value of this, right? Paul went from a man baptized in the saints' blood to a man baptized with the Spirit of God. 
They knew the power of this, right? They didn't look at, this was not a selfish thing to them. They did not, they were not just trying to get people up front and get numbers in church, make a show for the live stream. It was none of that. They cared about people and they knew if you'll get this gift operating in your life, if you'll learn to turn on the faucet, you'll be able to drink every day. This is what Jesus said when he said, you'll never thirst. You might get thirsty, but you'll never thirst. You might get hungry, but you'll, you'll never hunger, right? It, it, it's, it's, it's always there when you learn to tap into it, right? Look here, and I love this. This is evidence they were Baptists right here. I'm joking. I, I preach at a Baptist church all the time. Thank God for the Baptists. So they said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. We don't even know if there is such a thing. No one's told us about that, right? So look here. So they said, and, and verse 3, And he said to them, Into what then were you baptized? So they said, Into John's baptism. In other words, water, right? Uh, for repentance. Verse 4, Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and what happened? They spoke with tongues, and they prophesied. Right? So here we see again the evidence. When they were baptized, they spoke with tongues. Now something else happened here. They prophesied. Now maybe the prophesying was in the tongues. I don't know. But here that tells me, listen, you can prophesy and possibly be baptized with the Spirit. Right? I'll leave wiggle room wherever the, Spirit, wherever the Word of God leaves wiggle room. But where I won't leave wiggle room is to try and say, well, you know, everybody's saved is baptized with the Holy Spirit. No, they're not. Here we have five instances in the book of Acts where the baptism with the Holy Spirit was a separate experience from the, the born-again experience. All right? Okay. So um, I'll just mention these briefly. So I talked about, remember, this is not supposed to be a one-time experience. And we see that in Acts chapter 4. It says Peter, he had been arrested, and it says Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. Right? He had been filled with the Holy Spirit in Acts 2, but here he is in Acts 4, filled again. This is not something that's one time. You need to wake up every day and, and have one go. I want to be filled with the Spirit today. Now, it might not look like, it, it may look different every day. I understand this is real life. We all can't get in a closet and just pray for hours upon hours till you know we we we're filled. But that's where learning again, learning to pray in tongues. Like I said, my kids—they're so used to this. They hear me praying in tongues when I'm doing anything, driving, uh, you know, doing stuff around the house. My kids hear me pray in the spirit all the time, and I try to not leave. Like if I realize if I'm having a moment. Where, like, say, like last night, I was sitting there and I was washing Finn's uh, uh, sippy cups. I was washing those sippy cups last night and I was like, I'm not doing anything. So I just started praying in tongues while I was washing the sippy cup, right? And, and what happens is, is um, you know, Jude said, Connie and I were talking about this morning, Jude says that you are built up on your most holy faith and that you keep yourself in the love of God. 
right? So if you're struggling with faith, you need to learn to pray in the Spirit. If you're struggling knowing you're loved, you need to pray in the Holy Spirit, right? Like it, it, is, it is the answer that we're seeking for. When I feel anxious, when I begin to have feelings of depression come upon me, listen, I immediately begin praying in the Spirit. Because you will lose that battle every time if you try to do the thoughts thing, right? Fighting thoughts with thoughts. You will lose that battle every single time. And I've taught this to you guys before. The only way to defeat discouraging thoughts is with encouraging words, right? It's just like if I told you to think about a salad bar, think about a salad bar, think about a salad bar, think about a salad bar. But I start talking about roasted chicken and bacon and biscuits and gravy. You ain't thinking about a salad bar. My words overcame your thoughts, right? So, listen, you want to overcome discouraging thoughts? Pray in, the t- pray in tongues. Pray in the Spirit, right? It, it'll, it'll overcome those discouraging thoughts. Now, with that being said, I, I want to take, I want to go as quick as I can, but go to 1 Corinthians 14, and we're just going to go through this chapter, and I just want to talk about some of the things tongues uh, praying in the Spirit does. And when I say praying in the Spirit, that's not what I'm referring to. Uh, I don't think tongues is the only way to pray in the Spirit, but I do think primarily that is the way we pray in the Spirit. But anyways, uh, look here. 14 verse 1, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. Now, I want to say this. Um, I said there is some wiggle room that maybe you don't have to, to pray in tongues to be filled with the Spirit. But let me say this. As I talk about the benefits of praying in the Spirit, that desire, well, I would love to do that. That is a perfect starting place. My, I'm not going to give my whole testimony with the baptism with the Holy Spirit, but with me, I just began to want to speak in tongues. Like I didn't know if it was being baptized with the Spirit. I didn't know if it was separate from salvation. I just knew I wanted to pray in tongues. Right? That, and that desire, um, that desire is what that got me there. So if you're just desiring, you're in a good place but especially that you may prophesy. All right, now he's about to talk about what goes on in a church, right, in a church service. But what, but what happens here is while he's teaching about what, uh, what's better in a church service, he actually teaches us the benefits of tongues in private. All right, so let me say that. Verse 2, For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God, for no one understands him. Here's what's powerful about this. The enemy doesn't understand it either. When you pray in the Spirit, it's like those, uh, those, those military planes that can't be picked up by radar. The enemy cannot pick up when you pray in the Spirit. He doesn't understand it. Why? Because it's between you and God. He has no clue what's being said. He has no clue what... This is a con- th- that's what is so special about this, is it's an intimate conversation between you and your Father that no one can understand, right? Um, however, in the Spirit, He speaks mysteries. When you only pray for us in English, when you only pray with your known language, you are very limited to what you can pray. Because there's only so much you know. But when you pray in the Spirit, you're praying mysteries that only the Spirit of God knows. You don't understand it. You don't know, but the Spirit of God does. I've been in this season of having this revelation of a few... Right now, I'm going through this season where, and I'm not like bragging on me, but this is the only way I can describe it. I'm addicted to His presence right now. 
Like, I know we're grace people and we talk about, well, you know, God's always with you. He's in you, blah, blah, blah. No, I'm talking about taking that alone time and getting in His presence where He's as real as the chair I'm sitting on. Right? Um, And uh, about a week ago, I had this experience. When I was praying, I just could feel the bigness. That's the only word I can can use. The bigness of God and and how small I am. Right? Now, I'm not, I'm not talking down on myself or anything like that. I'm saying, listen, here's, here's what we faith people have to get. We're not God. He is so much bigger than us. He knows so much more than us. Right? And, and, and we need to get a hold of that. So when we pray in, in tongues, when we pray in the Spirit, we're speaking out, we're praying what He knows. Right? We're aligning ourselves with His will and His thoughts. But he, verse 3, but he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. Now, I've seen people use that and they're like, see, this is why you shouldn't, edif- this is why you shouldn't pray in tongues because Paul here says all you're doing is edifying yourself. Anybody in here need edified? I need edified every day. So I pray in the Spirit every day, right? Paul is just saying here, he's like, listen, when, when you're in a public service and you get up and you're like, Shonde de la la ba, de la ba, nobody in here ha- knows a word what I'm saying. And all that's happening is you're just listening to me mumble and you're getting nothing out of it. And you're wondering, what time is this going to be over? Right? But when you pray, when it's that intimate place, it's that secret place that the psalmist talked about where you're praying to God spirit to spirit, right? You're edifying yourself. Jude would say it like this. He said, building yourself up. Right? When I talk about levels, I'm not talking about a legalistic thing where I'm up here and you're, you're, you're you know, I'm, you get what I'm saying. I'm not talking about that. Man, the only person you're trying to get above is yourself. Right? That's the only thing you're doing. Right? I want to get above that anxiety. I want to get above that fear. I want to get above that depression. I want to get above that sickness. Right? That's what you're, that's the only person you're competing with. Right? Okay? So, verse uh, 5. I wish you all spoke with tongues. This is Paul. Paul is not being selfish. He's not being backwards about it. He's not trying to hide it. He's saying, listen, I wish every single person there spoke with tongues. Like, he's, 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 he's not passive about it but even more that you prophesied, for he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues. Listen, and people stop right there. See, prophecy is greater than tongues. Listen, he said, unless indeed he interprets. So if you, even if, if you interpret a tongue, that tongue's actually more beneficial than the prophecy is what he's saying. All right? You just got to read these things slow sometimes, and you'll, you'll be amazed what you see. Uh, that the church may receive edification. Jump down to verse 13. Therefore let him who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. This is something you can do. When you pray in the Spirit, now I know right here he's talking about church, a public service, but it, but you can in your personal time with God pray for interpretation. You'll receive it. A lot of times, let me say this in passing, it will not come as, well thus saith the Lord. Grant hears what I'm saying. A lot of times it will come as an impression it will come as maybe a vision. And when I say vision, you may think that was just a, that was just word. Well, that was in my imagination. That's a vision. All right? Um, it, it may come many different ways. Someone may come on your heart. 
That's an interpretation, okay? Um, what I was talking about a while ago, I had this experience where I just suddenly I knew the bigness of God and how small I am. When I had that, that was really what that was, was that was an interpretation. It was God was revealing something to my spirit when I was praying in tongues, and, and that was, that was the, the interpretation. For, verse 14, For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. Listen, this is important. When you pray in tongues, remember what I said earlier, the baptism with the Holy Spirit is your spirit releasing what it has. That's why I believe right here is further proof that the baptism with the Holy Spirit, this is what I say. I'll give you some wiggle room that maybe you can be baptized with the Holy Spirit and not speak in tongues. But everyone baptized with the Holy Spirit has the ability to speak with tongues. All right? And so, and I believe this proves this, for if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays. So he's saying here, listen, you want to release what's in your spirit? It's like turning on the faucet. You got water, but when you turn on the faucet, you release it. You've got love. You've got joy. You've got peace. You've got faith. You've got health. You've got all these things you want. And when you pray in tongues, it's like turning the faucet on. Right? Okay. But my understanding is unfruitful. Verse 15, what is the conclusion then? I will pray with the Spirit, and I will also pray with the understanding. Paul's saying, listen, I'm not downplaying praying in your, your known language. I pray in both of them, right? But now, I'm like Jeremiah, so I, say, I pray in tongues a lot more than I pray in English. Because when I pray in English, I'm like, well, you know what? I don't know very much. <laughs> like, that's what happens to me all the time. Like, well, I don't know very much, but when I pray in tongues, there's just the flow that comes out. Jesus described it as a, a river of living water. It's a flow, right? A river doesn't get stagnant. It doesn't stop, right? Unless something is, is unless there's a dam, it doesn't stop. There's, there's just this natural flow, all right? And that's the way we're called to live in the Spirit. Uh, I will pray with the understanding. I will sing with the Spirit, and I'll also sing with the understanding. Listen, if you, you, if you pray in tongues here, I'm telling you, there's something about singing in tongues that will take your worship life to a whole other level. I can't explain it, but I actually probably sing in tongues more than I pray in tongues, and I'm not a singer. But I love to sing in tongues. Right? There's just something about it. Um, I will sing with the Spirit, and I will sing with the understanding also. Otherwise, if you, if you bless with the Spirit, or if you bless by praying in tongues, he's talking here about if you're praying at, at, at dinner. How will he who occupies the place of the uninformed say amen at your giving of thanks since he does not understand what you say? Now look here, this is important. For, indeed, for you indeed give thanks well. Do you know when you're, if you feel like you don't have anything to be thankful for, and listen, being thankful is one of the ways to be filled with the Spirit. Right? In your daily life, take time, be thankful, and, and just be praising God for, for your blessings. That's one of the ways to get filled really quick especially when you see all that's going wrong. Paul said when you pray in tongues, you're giving God praise, and you're doing a very good job of it. Amen? I, um, I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all, yet in the church I would rather speak five words of my understanding that I may teach others also than 10,000 words in a tongue. So here he's saying, listen, this is important. Brethren, do not be children in understanding. However, in malice be babes, but in understanding be mature. In the law, it is written. This is the last point I want to make, and I want to finish because I know we've got a birthday party. Um, he says here, he says, uh, let's read, he's quoting Isaiah here. He says, in the law, it is written, 
with men of other tongues and other lips, I will speak to this people. This is so important right here. Verse 21. And yet, for all that, what's he talking about? The other tongues, the other lips. I told him to speak in them. For all that, they will not hear me. Now, when you read this in Isaiah, it's like Peter a while ago when he quoted Joel, he kind of changed the words a little bit. It seems like what Paul is saying, Isaiah seemed to be saying, I told them I'm going to speak to them in other tongues and other lips, and they won't hear me. What Paul seems to be saying is, I'm telling you, if you'll speak in tongues, you'll hear me. But because you refuse to speak in tongues, that's why you've not heard me. My greatest direction, my greatest revelations have come when I've spent time praying in tongues. You'll hear from God. Whenever people come to me and they're like, listen, I'm not hearing from God. I'm not hearing from God. I don't know what to do. My first advice or first question I ask them, have you been praying in the Spirit? Pray in the Spirit. Just pray in the Spirit. Well, yeah, yeah I have. Well, listen, take in, be intentional with it. I talked about how I do it, just doing everything. You can get to that place and it's good, but you also need to have those times of intention where, where your heart is engaged. Your mind is set on the things above, not on the things on this earth. And listen, if you'll do that and you'll pray in the Spirit and you'll get in His presence, listen, you will hear God. In that atmosphere, you cannot not hear God. Right? You're going to hear God. It's, it's one of the quickest ways to hear God. Finishing up here, jump down to verse 39. Therefore, brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy and do not forbid to speak with tongues. Right here it is. Do not forbid to speak with tongues. I've never understood that churches that say they don't believe in it. Because right here Paul says, listen. He, he, right before this he said, listen, if anyone's ignorant, just let them be ignorant. This is not, for me, when I talk about tongues, I will not argue with you about this. I don't care. You don't do it? Okay, I don't care. You know, like I do care, but you know what I'm saying. For me, it's not an argument. It's not a debate. Like, I, I, that's, that's not why I do this. He says, do not forbid to speak with tongues. He's like, listen, you don't believe in it? Fine. Don't stop anyone else. All right? Don't, don't discourage anyone else. And then verse 40, let all things be done decently and in order. Right? So we're not talking about just this chaos that maybe some of you grew up in that, I, that I've seen a lot of in my life. Right? It's not this chaos. It's, it's just this intimate presence. I'm telling you, the word that God has ministered to me the most this year is about fellowship. Right? Just getting, just, just partnering with Him. Spending time with Him. Because my, my number one complaint, I've shared this, I've, you guys hear me complain, so... Uh, you know, and I complained to other people about it. I, my concern about this grace revolution that we're in the midst of, my concern is it's, it's, it's producing a lot of puffed up people full of knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not actually producing people who are fellowshipping with the Father. Yeah. That's the why of grace. The why of grace is not to get you out from under legalism. The why is not to get rid of the shame, condemnation, guilt. It will do all those things. But the why of grace is so you can have fellowship with the Father. And if it's not producing that, guess what? You don't, you don't get grace yet. And by that, I mean you don't understand grace yet. Right? Because when you know 
when I have people ask, why do you teach that about forgiveness and all that? I do it so you know when you mess up, you don't have to run from God. You're free to run to him. All right? So that, I'll, I'll get off on fellowship. All right, I'm done. Has this blessed you guys today? All right, here's what I want to do. I want to pray for you, and then we'll take up our offering real quick, um, and then we'll, we'll dismiss. But I want to pray for you this morning. I'm not going to, like I said, I'm not going to embarrass anyone or anything like that, but if, if you already pray in the Spirit, what I hope this message does is it fires you up to do it more. It causes you want to spend more intentional time fellowshipping with the Father through praying in the Spirit. And uh, if you don't, I hope what it's done is it's created a desire in you that, hey, I want to do that. All right? Remember, you don't have to earn it. You don't, you don't have to, like, when I was baptized with the Holy Spirit, nobody laid hands on me. This is just quick testimony. I, I, I looked around. I went on Amazon. I, found, I just was looking for some sort of information on, on praying in tongues. And I found a book by Kenneth Hagin called Tongues Beyond the Upper Room. I read that entire book. I finished that book. And in my room, I was just sitting in a chair and I said, All right, Lord, I'm ready. And you know what? I spoke two words in tongues. And I said to God, I said, Is that it? Because it was so underwhelming, you know. And I just read this book and it's like he spent 15 hours praying in tongues and, you know, falling out and stuff. I was like, Is that it? And God spoke to me and he said, That's it. Just like a baby who may just say one syllable, but it's talking. We're on the right track, right? And then as they talk more and as they do it more and more and more and more, they get more fluent in it. That's the way it is praying with the Spirit. So I say that to say don't expect some overwhelming experience. You can go home, pray, and expect to receive, and you'll have. That's the promise of Jesus. Amen. So, Father, I just thank you for these people. Lord, we thank you for the promise that we can be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And right now, I, I just release uh, just a, a, an anointing upon these people that will, that will just cause this desire and this hunger to just flood their hearts. And that when they're at home, when they're driving, um, that they'll just have this desire to just pray in the Spirit, to fellowship with you, to be filled with you, Father. And, uh, Lord, we just release that. I release that ability right now in Jesus' name. I remove those, those dams, whatever those, whatever those thoughts are that, that keep someone from doing it. I just remove that right now in the name of Jesus. And uh, we just thank you and we praise you for the promise of the Father to be baptized with the Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, guys, if you need to give an envelope, you can raise your hand and Tim will get it to you. It's good to have Tim back taking the offering up. Go.